大家好，欢迎来到中国生物热点话题直播间。我是主持人 Brian 杨，我是 Sideline Farmer Intelligence 中国主编。今天我们一如既往要讨论过去一个月发生的中国生物制药热点话题。今天和我在一起的是。Dexter， 他来自上海，还有一位神秘嘉宾。啊、um, ，今天我们讨论的话题呢有三个。第一个话题是最近出台的 A 呃 PE 政策，上海呢最近出台了一个很有意思的私募资金的啊政策，鼓励私募 PE 资金发展。这个资金政策对于我们生物药企有哪些？影响和作用呢 ？Dexter 会给大家做一个解释。下面呢，第二个话题是由我来为大家讲一讲最近中美之间，特别是美国国会针对中国生物药企的一个提议的法案。这个法案对中物中国生物制药会有怎样的影响？最后呢，我们要请出我们的神秘嘉宾，他就是 Kevin Crogan。Kogan， 他呢是我们驻伦敦的呃 managing editor， 啊、呃，我呢也会呃在呃介绍他呢，就是今天呢我们请他来呢讲一讲 MNC 跨国药企，尤其是两个巨头，一个是 AstraZeneca 阿斯利康和 Sanofi Sanofi， 和对于中国啊、呃、市场对他们的是一个怎么样一个定位？啊、呃，这个话题我我相信大家一定非常关注。啊、呃，下面呢，我就请啊、呃、Dexter 和 Kevin 来呃 say quick hi to us。Yes, good morning, everybody, and、um, very excited to be involved in this、uh, podcast, and very much looking forward. 呃，大家好，嗯呃,呃，感谢大家收听。呃，我是 Dexter Yan。好，谢谢。那么我们就直入主题吧。呃，今天呢，呃，首先呢，我第一个话题。就是想讨论，呃，上海最近出台了一个，呃，中国的这个，呃，进关于进一步促进上海股权投资行业高质量发展的若干措施。这个呢，给一月份的这个可以说吧，资本寒冬呢带来了一股春意。呃，这一政策呢，其实对于鼓励股权投资，不仅仅对生物制药企业，其其实对其他行业呢也有很深远的影响。呃、uh, ，Dexter， 呃，你是常驻上海，而且对上海的这个政策呢非常关注啊。呃，能不能给我们大家介绍一下这个政策里面有具体有些哪些内容？啊、呃，推出的背景是什么？好的，好的，是这样的，嗯、呃，主要是今年一月份呢，上海市地方政府、上海市政府推出了一个新的关于呃股权投资基金的一个政策吧。啊、呃，它的希望目的呢是促进呃股权投资行业。呃，高质量发展并配套了呃若干措施，呃，我们可以其实从过去两年的情况来看，大家呃都感觉呃生物医药行业的呃投资或者嗯、呃、风投啊也好，股权投资也好，都进入了一个相当长时期的寒冬，有两个年两年的寒冬吧，嗯、呃，这是一个感觉。如果从从那个数字上看呢，就是。根据那个有一个投叫投中信息的一个呃呃股权投资
咨询公司汇总的一个二零二三年的数据来看呢，嗯、呃，在当年整个中国的呃定位于呃医疗健康初创公司的这个股权投资的呃包括风险投资和呃私募基金投资的总的投资额呢，相较于二零二二年呢，同比是下降了百分之二十二。嗯，总金额呢，按美元计呢是大概一百六十七亿美元。嗯，就是按照总金额来算。那如果按照那个嗯投资的呃或者说呃投资的那些呃笔数呢，的同比也是下降的，下降了百分之十八。呃，在二零二三年，所以我们现二零二三年统计呢也只有一千一百七十一笔的呃分钱和呃私募股权投资基金投资于中国的呃。医药健康的那个初创企业，当然了，他这个投他投中信息的这个统计呢，他其实是一个比较粗的一个统计。如果按照那个具体的，嗯、呃，按照我们的读者，呃，特别关心的这个，呃，医医疗健康的细分赛道来看呢，像生物医药去年投资呢，呃，按照投中信息的数据是五百起投资，投资规模大概在一百零三亿美元左右，啊、呃。这基本上就是一个大头了。那其他像医疗器械、医疗技术、医疗服务、医疗信息化以及医疗健康等等呢，这些投资呢都，呃，单笔的投资呢，这还要小于生物医药行业。所以说呢，单就我们关心的生物医药行业来说呢，这个寒冬确实是在二零二三年是已经进入了更深的一个寒冬了。嗯，那在这个寒冬之中呢，啊 ，Dexter， 就像你说的，确实的投资啊，这个融资啊，都大幅的下降的这个呃过程中，哈，这个上海市政府出台这个呃鼓励这个资金的股权投资的这个政策，对于我们这个行业呃有哪些比较呃积极的影响？释放了哪些呃信号呢？对，嗯、呃，这一份。其实大家可能先给大家一个好消息吧，就是这一个呃若干措施呢，其实从本月一号其实已经开始正式实施了，呃为期五年，呃它的有效期是到二零二九年的一月三十一日。大家最关心的呢，嗯、呃、从政府推出的措施，我给大家挑一条，就是它是鼓励呃推动全国社保基金，加大对上海市的优质股权投资基金和科技项目的投资布局。嗯，虽然呢，就是上海的这一个若干这些措施呢，它不是专门针对于呃生我们的生物医药行业，但是呢，呃，有一个其实在去年十一月，呃，全国社全国社保基金它在长三角科技创新股权投资基金在上海的揭牌运营了。这个长三角基金呢，它的首期规模有五十一亿人民币，它重点聚焦是三个行业，其中就有一个就是生物医药行业。嗯，所以呢，从这一点来说呢，我们可以看，呃，在这个这些措施的五年有效期内，可能我们可以看到有更多的在上海市政府的投资，啊、呃，上海市政府的政策鼓励下，有更多的资金来自于全国社保基金，而且这些资金是会投入到呃生物医药行业中的。那除了全国社保基金之外呢，嗯，上海市政府呢，它还将研究提高保险资金投资的创业投资基金。呃，增加对创业企业的投资。那按照一个现行的有关保险出资的呃呃创业投资基金对呃单一创业企业，它有一个出资比例上限，这个比例上限是大概百分之十左右。而且呢，它也
啊，按照那个现行的那个中国银保监会端关于保险资金投资创业投资基金的一些规定呢，它单支这样的单支基金规模呢是不能超过五亿元，也就是说这个基金可以由保险资金来投资的创业投资基金，但是呢这个基金的规模不能超过五亿元，再加上我们刚才提到的它它对单一的。呃，初创企业的余额投资的余额不能超过它的规模的百分之十。那我们五亿乘以百分之十，我们就可以想到，它单支基金规模投资于呃初创企业，也就是大概五千万人民币不到吧。所以呢，就是上海市政府它可以给给一个信号，就是它可能在研究怎么样摆脱这个百分之十的上限限制，然后呢，可以让更多的保险资金、长期的保险资金来投资于呃我们的。呃，初创企业。那另外呢，也是扩大资金来源方面呢，上海市政府它在这些意见实施措施中呢，也也也提出要支持企业年金、养老金等长期资金，按照商业化原则投资，呃，股权投资基金。啊，这就是关于那个资金方面的三条。那另外还有关于呃那个并购，我我们可能大家都会比较关心，嗯、也许在今年。呃，除了除了中国生物药企被国外公司、国外的那个大药企并购之外呢，可能中国公司之间也会有一些并购。那样的话呢，就是按照那个上海市政府出台的这些措施呢，他他希望引导本市，也就是上海市的产业链链主企业，呃，我们可以理解为一些是一些头部大公司了，发起设立产业并购基金。而且呢，政府上海市政府也会支持本市银行业金融机构开展控股型并购贷款业务，也就是由银行提供贷款支持并购。那而且还将研究开展参股型并购贷款创新试点。啊，基本上我觉得大家最关心的应该就是以上这几点。嗯，呃 ，Dexter， 你刚才提到那个好好好几个，就是有相关的生物制药企业的，也有就是说不仅仅针对生物制药企业的，呃，那我能我们能能不能这样理解，就是这个政策是整个政策呢是一个呃，就像你说的三个行业，其中生物制制药只是其中之一，呃，我们还可以期待更多的细则出台，呃，可能针对生物制药企业有更多的。呃，针对性的呃鼓励政策是这样理解对吗？呃，没错，我刚才提到的三个行业呢，就除了生物医药行业呢，还有另外一个是另外两个是集成电路以及人工智能，这三个行业是上海市在、嗯、呃目前以及未来重点发展的三个呃可以认为是三个呃重点的这个呃呃初在初创公司也好啊，在那个呃发展。发展前景来说呢，也是上海市重点关注的这三个行业，所以呢，从细则上来看呢，可可能也许我们是可以拭目以待，上海市政府会针对生物医药行业具体再出一些专门有针更加针对性的细则吧。嗯，我能理解，就是呃，年大概一月份的时候也，也上海浦东吧，也有了出了一一一些就是针对生物制药的一个。鼓励性的政策，呃，但是呢，就我跟一些呃人呃现在专业人士聊天的时候，他们也提到，其实呃很多鼓励性性政策，就像你谈到的这些，都非常鼓励人心，但是这个具体的 implementation 就是落地，呃，还需要时日吧。大家也期期待的更多的细则实施细则出来，这样的话才有更多的怎么可操作性，对不对？呃，对，你说的没错。啊、呃，感谢 Dexter。
呃带来给我们带来这个这个股权投资这方面的政策的解解解读。好的，好的。那呃 ，Brian， 我有我有一些问题，呃，也关于你最近写写作的一篇，呃，我们 Script 的一篇报道呢，就关于那个美国有一些国会议员，他们呃提出可能会出，可能希望呃建立一些法案来针对一些中国的一些生物医药公司吧。那呃，我觉得我们这是从最近我们也特别关注这一个事情，呃，我们就先从中美关系出发吧。像像你你也提到，像去年十一月中美领导人呃峰会之后，那中美之间目前来看，在健康领域有哪些最新的合作的一些进展呢？呃、uh, ，谢谢 Dexter。正如呃我们都知道的，去年十一月份旧金山的这个中美领袖峰会以后，其实进展其实我们也看到，但是还是觉得呃不多。呃，今年一月份呢，一月二十五日，这个呃 US 呃 House of Representatives 国会呢下议院，它专门有一个呃委员会呃 Select Committee on Chinese Communist Party 这块呢，这个 committee 呢提出了一个叫 Biosecure 这个呃这个呃。提议呢，只是一个提议啊，还没有进行表决。啊，他这个呢 ，BioSecure 呢，其中之一就提到是，呃，认为呢 ，to to prohibit 呃、uh, contracting， 就是特特定的 biotech 这个 providers， 这个 biotech providers 其中就呃包括了呃 BGI 就是华大基因，呃，同时呢还包括了无锡，呃，就是我们的药明康德无锡 Aptech， 呃。这个消息一出来呢，呃，引起了股市，就是特别是呃，在香港上市的无锡药明生物的股价大跌，最多它超过了百分之二十啊。所以其实我们也知道，这个呃，这个呃议案呢，呃，尤其是对于这个这个生物这个 C。DMO 这个领域呢，非影响非常大，因为主要有很多的，比如说呃，美国的 Biologics 药呢，都是有可能有一些呢，也是通过这个 CDMO 来去进行生产和呃提供的，呃，所以这个如果是 restriction 呃这个的话呢，对于这个影响呢，其实是是蛮大的，呃，所以呢，这美国国会这个一些议员呢，通过这个 National Security 呃这个呃为理由呢，来限制这个 Biotech 这个 provide。Service provider 的这个，如果能在在在，如果在今后呃呃更加限制的话呢，其实对这个行业呢是是有很很大的冲击的。呃，所以我们也可以看到这个药明生物呢，在在这个从呃港港币呢三十一点六三一三一点六元呢啊跌到最低跌到二十二块六啊，最后呢收到了二十四块五。其实呢，这个这个影响确实超呃超过超过了大家的想象。那你呃，谢谢 Brian。那你提到了那个关于关于股价，像药明康德啊或者药明生物、药明系这些公司，他们股价确实暴，最近确实有一个暴跌。呃，那我们可以从长远来看，对那个我们的这个生物药行业会有哪些具体的影响呢？呃，具体来说呢，呃，这个问题提的非常好。具体来说呢，就是呃，其实在，在呃呃一月二十九日啊、呃，这个药明呃也呃生物，他也在港呃港交所呢提了一个 clarification 这个 letter。他在 letter 里说呢，其实呃他们的这个这个 CEO 呢，这个陈志胜博士啊、呃，其实呢呃并没有就是说是在这个就是这个他们国会议员里提的这个呃，比如说在这个军医这个大学医科大学里。然后，呃，呃，担任过这教职啊，啊、呃，还有一些有呃，从此呃呃，以以此为为
呃，有说说他有这个 military affiliated institution， 这个呃，他他觉得这个要澄需要澄清啊、呃。其实呢，但是呢，这个 clarification letter 呢，呃，你提交以后并没有产生很大的呃积极影响，它的股价继续呃在这个一月三十号时候呃呃的在二十一块九毛五这个阶呃水平上徘徊，呃，说明呢这个对于呃这个中美之间呢其实隔阂吧，还是。是不信任，其实一时半会儿啊，就是难以消除。特别是在今年的 JP Morgan， 大家如果们还没有听的话，也可以听听我们做的这专门的这个博客节目。在这里期节目里，我们也可以感觉到，听到这个呃，他们这个参与参与会参参会者呢，对于中美之间的这个 gap 呢，还是能感觉到的这个温度差吧。虽然中国生物更多的希望能做更多的 deals 啊，国呃，就是出海的过程中更多呃，在这个美。国市场去发展，但是呃，美国方面对中国这个还是有很这个呃 suspicion 啊，有些这个怀疑是我们可以感觉到的啊，所以这一点呢，可以说是呃时间呃我们呃还需要时日吧，我可以这样感觉到，呃，尤其这样的法案出台呢，对于这个中美呃今后的合作呢，啊、呃、也带来一些呃影响。好的，好的，谢谢博然的介绍。呃。下面呢，呃，我想呃，请出我们的这个 guest speaker， 呃 ，Kevin， 呃 ，Kevin 呢是我们的 managing editor， 我刚才说过他呃 cover 的呃 lots of areas in therapeutics， 呃，可以说吧，呃，而且呢，呃。Uh, he also interviewed uh, pretty much all the leading figures in the sector. Uh, so let's, uh, Kevin, um, I understand you just uh, had a, a, a coverage about uh, AstraZeneca because, it, as everyone knows, AZ has a very uh, growing presence in China, the, the market of China. So. Uh, what are something like you noticed when you uh, write about, uh, uh, particularly when you had uh, the, the chart with uh, Sean Grady? Grady? Absolutely, Brian, yes. And uh, greetings from Manchester, the home of football. Unfortunately, it's more Manchester City than Manchester United now, but I'll live with it anyway. But <laughs> yes, going back to, yes, uh, AstraZeneca. Yes, I had the, um, the good fortune to travel to a conference in Sweden no in Denmark I do apologize and um, it was the Nordic Life Sciences Day in December and basically that event was to talk about how great Scandinavian innovation is however when I also on speaking there was as you said Sean Grady um, who is AstraZeneca's head of business development operations and it was very interesting uh, when I was chatting to him about it because he was saying that, well, yes, okay, Scandinavia and Europe is doing okay. Um, China is very much uh, the more exciting area for AstraZeneca at the moment. And he said that uh, China had become more cutting edge in terms of innovation rather than what had been perceived before as a fast follower. Um, and AstraZeneca has been very busy there the last uh, few months as well. Um, signed um, a deal that could be worth ooh, about $2 billion, perhaps, with uh, Echo Gene in Shanghai for um, an obesity treatment. It's all very much uh, in vogue at the moment, early on. And then it uh, also 
did that deal with uh, Usinova for a crash mm. inhibitor. So they are spending a lot of money. And so I was talking to Sean and he was saying that, uh, as you said, Brian, that, you know, China is a vital part of AstraZeneca's business nowadays. Um, they have, I think, a, he was saying about 20,000 people in China. They've got the um, Research and Development Center in Shanghai. And on a commercial level, they're making a lot of money there as well. You know, it was, you know, six billion dollars in revenues there last year. And um, so the growth of AstraZeneca, a lot of it is coming out of China. Um, but what he was saying that he was particularly impressed about with China is that, as we said before, that it is now more innovation led the research that's going on, um, which is being driven by um, universities and research institutions which are very well funded and um, and he he said that you know his quote was that a lot of terribly talented people are either there or coming home um and so he was very impressed and one thing that he said that was particularly impressive at china was in china you have an ability to move quicker and at pace um compared to europe certainly so in terms of innovation, Europe is strong, but less so in terms of execution of actually getting stuff done. And China is really strong on both of these things now. Um, he was saying that data is being produced at lightning speed in comparison to everywhere else. Um, and, and China is very much a part of the business is going to be going forward on certainly in research and development. They're very, very interested. Mm. Uh, thanks, uh, Kevin. Um, I, I, I think there's a very uh, interesting uh, observations from uh, uh, the executive, and I'm glad you you uh, brought those uh, to our attention. And uh, indeed, the the speed, the execution, the the talents, the you know the innovation, as you summarized, were very well. Uh, are really part of this uh, uh, the raising Chinese innovation, uh, domestic innovation. Um, I, I will fo follow up with uh, a question, but also I understand you also cover another uh, big uh, multinational company, uh, which is Sanofi, and you recently uh, talked to the, 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 I think, the executive of this company, and uh, can you give us some, uh, some uh, you know, observations or what, what do you feel about the Sanofi's view on China overall? Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. As you said, uh, Brian, I uh, spoke to um, Paul Hudson, who's the CEO of uh, Sanofi, when they were giving uh, doing their results announcement last week. Um, another Manchester United fan, so that's a good thing. Um, and yes, he was, he was speaking a lot about the sector in China. Um, and he noted that, well, well, he told me that you know around 75% of um, IPOs in China um in the sector were trading below their list price um and he was saying that might seem a lot however that means the 25 percent trading above which is a lot of biotechs you know so there's a lot of biotechs that are being um getting support from the markets as well and he thinks that it could certainly be bigger than europe uh, very soon you know um and he agreed with um sean grady as well that you know the deal making by the big pharma multinationals in China has become um, a lot more innovation driven pure, rather than purely commercial. And he believes that, you know, the scientific breakthroughs that are taking place 
uh, in China is is marvelous and um, very encouraging for the sector. Um, and also, he was um, speaking a lot about the fact that the, the the government support as well. You know, you've got a long term healthcare strategy uh, in Healthy China uh, 2030 and beyond that as well, um, which is in stark contrast to Europe, where a lot of the big pharma companies are worried about what's happening in Europe in terms of innovation. Um, and he said the Chinese market is much more attractive for them as well. And he noted that, you know, again, like Sean said, that there's that phase of me too drugs or, you know, me too slightly betters um, is changing a lot. You know, that, you know, in, in China, you've got a lot of PD1s, for example. And so th there's things that are now going on where researchers are doing things that are a lot better. And he had an interesting line, and I don't know if you agree with this particularly. He was saying that um, a lot of the science that's coming out of China, he said it may not be the quality that you see from um, academic institutions in Paris and Berlin and London, Cambridge or Oxford, but it is getting there. It is getting mm -hmm. there. And the scale of it uh, means that a lot of this innovation was, he said his word would be staggering, you know, that. And so he said Sanofi really has to get involved with what's going on in China more than it already is. Though it's it's, of, it's had a long uh, relationship with China um, and Sanofi speaks about China a lot, but it's the innovation side of things now that is becoming more interesting, I think. Thanks uh, again, Kevin. Um, uh, it's uh, really uh, striking uh, to me that uh, Sanofi obviously has been considered as, uh, you know, uh, diabetes, you know, cardiovascular and then plus the oncology, basically. But now they're getting into so many other areas. They are trying to get into, I, I noticed the uh, digital health, for example. They are having an innovation lab here and they also partner with local uh, innovators. Uh, as you mentioned, the, the, the CEO, uh, Paul Hudson, uh, was uh, really uh, trying to drive up this uh, innovation, uh, the, the, the type into the local uh, partnerships. Um, I also noticed that you bring uh, up the, the quality wise. I was just going to ask you uh, this follow up question. Uh, I, I do feel like uh, sometimes it may not be there yet. However, China does have a lot of returnees uh, overseas. Uh, scientists who came back from uh, the West, uh, come back with uh, Western education, and they are trying to uh, get their own startups, for example. And also there are lots of um, young uh, graduates. They are eager to, you know, have something like starting into a lab jobs uh, and doing something from ground up. Um, so I think that's the legitimate part point that uh, may not be there yet but however the foundation and also the ecosystem is uh, really uh we are seeing is uh, really taking shape quickly here yes and I, I think and that is maybe in contrast to europe in that you have a similar situation you know there's a lot of um, spin outs coming out from universities and so on but I think one of the problems certainly in Europe, say compared to China, is there is a definite sort of um, risk, uh, a risk averse. And so there's, there's less money. Um, and so a lot of the startups have to spend a lot of time rather than focusing on the science, just simply trying to get some funds together. 
um, and which is, is very just to keep going, you know, to pay the bills. And it, it's very difficult. Um, and I think, as you know, as Sean Grady and Paul Hudson and various other people I've spoken to in the sector of China is you have this idea of speed as well. And, and speed does not mean a lack of quality. Right? It's that the quality can be there, but it takes time um, to start. But once things get on the ground and get moving, there is a more flexible, agile environment in China than in Europe. And I think that is what the, the big pharma companies are seeing, that they're seeing innovation happening and happening quickly. That's what in they want to see. In terms of quality, I think we also can take a look from a, a, another uh, perspective, which is uh, how can you balance between the speed and the quality, as you pointed out. Uh, in China, everything it has to uh, be fast, you know, because of, well, you know, you cannot, uh, it should have been there maybe yesterday. It, it, it's already been late. It's kind of this mentality. So really, they want to put something out there quick. But sometimes the quality, you have to make sure that you have to take this consideration when you take a look at the quality. How long does it take together? And also in terms of execution, I have to say more and more executives are really emphasize, cannot emphasize the execution enough because they really think that we now we can take some time maybe because of the all the environment is not a super you know hot IPO the secondary market maybe we can take more time to make to make it really well to make things really well before we go you know to, to talk about deals to go IPO so I think this the two con factors we take into consideration I think the quality may not be that bad yeah I, I think that that's true and also farmers come in you know farmers the big pharma boys are really quite conservative in things as well. And but in, in terms of quality, you know, they they are, are red hot on this. You know, And so the influence that they can have on on the, the Chinese companies as well and working in alliance with them uh, means that that balance will be found. I think I think that's the the exciting thing that they are, in, you know, Obviously, uh, any biotech company, any startup, whether it's in China or whether it's in Manchester, can learn a lot from these big pharma guys who maybe put more realistic uh, targets in there as well. And also, again, on quality, you know, that, that they've been doing it for a long time. Um, and, and I think that the way that, that, that the system can work with that, um, with the multinational uh yeah, maybe, yeah, definitely more conservative approach uh, can really help uh, the sector in China and, and the, the, the startups very much indeed. Yeah, I think it's a very exciting time. And, and certainly every, literally every pharma company I speak to in Europe, and that's, it's not just AstraZeneca and Sanofi, it is Novartis, it is Roche, GSK. Bayer, everybody is interested in China and everybody's wanting to do deals. Uh, again, it's not just a commercial thing. It's not just about pricing. It's about getting hold of the innovation that's there. And they, they are all going for it. Before I let you go, um, Kevin, I have to ask you, it's also a question posted to GSK uh, CEO, Emma Wemsley. Uh, in terms of this uh, uh, talks of uh, geopolitical tensions, uh, Actually, people in Europe have this mentality of de-risking. 
uh, in China uh, because they want to have a diversified supply chains. Uh, they want to reduce the exposure to risks. When you talk with these executives, what do they see? How do they think the? How do they think this uh, risk uh, in uh, associated with the growth uh, in China? Well, it's it's just that in, in general, they, they I think they, they feel that things have changed a lot in terms of of working with China. That you know that that the things are more certainly more open for them. And there was a you know that some people have spoken about some concerns about data protection and so on. That um, I don't know I have spoken to some companies, but mainly smaller companies really as well. To be honest, who were. Uh, uh, a little bit concerned about how they were working with China, um, but that is not the case with it with the big place because again you've got to look as China is going like this. I don't know if you can't well you can see me. <laughs> this is not good podcast stuff. But as China is going um, compared to the possibilities of growth in China, Europe is very very it's very difficult in Europe to get a, a decent price for your drugs. It's very difficult. And every company, and they're not being even quiet about this anymore. They're saying that Europe does not reward innovation. And Paul Hudson had a very interesting line, I thought, where he was saying of 50 percent of the drugs that are approved in Europe, which um, they might be approved, but they're not available for patients. That's one in two because they can't get the price. And at some stage, companies are going, well, are we going to make huge investments on R&D in Europe in a place where once we get the drug through um, through the clinic, through the regulator, and then we can't sell it, that's not really acceptable. And so I think that they're very much, leaning, as I said before, they're leaning towards working with China a lot more on every level on every level because they find that the government um, rewards innovation as well. And you see, for example, I think got a big approval in China um, where they got it earlier than expected. And they are um, just they're finding that and then they, they can sell very quickly as well. You know, if it gets through the regulators that they're able to sort of go for it pretty quickly. And that's that's what they're after. You know, they want to be able to work in a system that is conducive to um, being able to launch and let's be honest, make some money out of their products. You know, if you're in Europe and it's taking you two or three years of price negotiation to get a drug onto the market, it's it's it, it's a tricky one, you know. Um, and and I, I I I now remember what I was talking about. Uh, it was um, Bay Fortis. Hmm. Which is the yeah, um, yeah. vaccine with um, yes. AstraZeneca, and that's gone very, very quickly onto the market. And this, this is a, a treatment that is flying off the shelves, really, and it's going to be a huge thing for them. And they see again, China. It, it's stating the obvious, but the the size of the population, it, it, it means that it's a huge market, and they are embracing it a lot. They're not playing at it anymore. That's for sure. I'm glad. All back to the speed we were just uh, mentioned, the, 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 the speed in China. Yes, absolutely. Yes, it's yeah. all very quick, very quick. Yeah. yeah. All right. So um, 
，呃，回到我们刚才回到的三个，我总结一下我们三个话题。首先，我们讨论了一个 Dexter 给我们带来一个这个呃政策的这个股权激励机呃投资的这个读物。第二点呢，就是呃我给呃大家呃介绍的这个最新的这个美国会一个对针对生物呃这个呃 service CDMO 的提案呃给会给这个行业的影响。最后呢，我们。呃，请我们的住伦敦的这个这个同事 Kevin 给呃呃 MNC 这个跨国药企对于呃中国市场是怎么看的？他们对中国创新和中国呃今后的定位呃会有怎么样的呃一个思考？呃，今天的呢我们的博客呢就到这里啊、呃，时间关系呃，同时呢我知道我们还有三天就是我们的呃龙年啊、呃、新年了呃，在此呢我也呃祝大家呃。呃，龙年，呃，龙马精神，呃，龙腾虎跃，啊、呃，最后呢，让我们大家呃一起呃，嗨吧！新年快乐，新年快乐，好 ，Happy New Year， 谢谢大家，下我们下次节目再见。